You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this Thursday morning. What up, bud? What's happening? Uh, not a lot, man. We've got plenty to discuss over the next uh, two hours. We look forward to hearing your calls, your comments on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Man, we have got so much to unpack this morning. We had a lot of big-time baseball action yesterday. Uh, might as well start with Louisiana Tech and ULM, which you were there for, Aaron. Uh, Kind of a similar results to the first time they played. Uh, yes, uh, another great atmosphere out there at uh, J.C. Love Field. They uh, reported 1,920 on hand. And once again, Louisiana Tech's uh, pitching staff with an incredible night. I think we've said that a time or two this year. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's funny because, you know, you, you, usually you see David Leal in this spot in the midweek starting position. But, of course, Tech played the night previous and he got the start there so Tyler Fallis gets the start and he goes seven innings and doesn't give up a hit and that was by the way about a third of the his total uh, innings pitch this season and in 23 innings and one third innings pitch he now has a .77 ERA so yeah. hey the pitching staff gets deeper Sorry, something's up with my headphones today, so I'm just <laughs> out of sync here early on, and my headphones are out of sync also. But, Jake, yeah, just a, that atmosphere last night with Tech winning 6-1, to one, and as that thing is playing out, and I think a lot of the people uh, understood as they watched it what they were watching, and, of course, the drama that continued to play out with the no-hitter in, in effect. At the, as I was shooting the game, I was also listening to the Hall of Famer Dave Nitz, and I was curious to see how uh, you know a baseball purist like himself – uh, would call a game like that. And, of course, it, as the no-hitter continued, uh, he did not mention it throughout the broadcast. But anybody that was there and, of course, could uh, get the tone of nits. They knew it was taking place. And, of course, the, the count pitch continued to rise for uh, Follis. And, of course, it gets up to 109. Yeah. He comes out there in the eighth inning and, and he, you know, he plunks a batter. And, of course, you could tell he's a little wild. And then at that point, Lamborough says, enough is enough. He comes out and gets it. Yeah, and that's what, you know, it's a smart move. You know, you don't want your young pitcher to pitch over 100 pitches. So, yes, I, I completely agree with the move. But it's also, you know, part of you is like, man, I wish he could get an opportunity to, to go out there and finish the game and get that no-hitter. Yeah, fantastic performance by him. And as uh, Jake mentioned it there, now that his ERA down to .77 on the year, he has uh, tossed 23 innings this year and allowed just two earned runs, striking out 21. And, of course, we gave you the stats earlier in the week in Louisiana Tech. And, of course, this pitching staff, a team ERA, uh, ranked second in the country. Uh, they did all right considering the two midweek games, gave up three against Northwestern State, and then last night did not give up an earned run versus ULM. You know, we talk about video game numbers so so often. It's, it's like playing MLB The Show. I don't think I could do this on MLB The Show, though. I don't think I could replicate these type of numbers in a video game. It's really absurd what this team is doing so far. All right, Louisiana Tech now 17-6 and on the year, 3-0 and in conference play coming off that sweep of Rice. They will travel to Birmingham to score off against the Blazers this weekend. A lot of different guys besides Paul is standing out, including – the reigning Conference USA hitter of the week, Dalton Skelton, increased his team best hitting streak to 15 consecutive games. He singled up the middle in the first and then belted a solo, solo home run in uh, to right field in the seventh, his third home run of the 2018 season. Dogs win 6-1, so they win the two games this year against ULM. And Mason Mallard homered as well, and I believe that was uh, two straight games he had mm -hmm. a homer in. So Mason Mallard... I believe that was his fourth on the season. So, yes, they're getting the offensive production to go with that awesome pitching. Thing got a, thing got a little chippy with, uh, of course, uh, the crew, the umpire, with uh, Coach Federico throughout the game. I'm telling you, I, I thought he was trying to get tossed at one time. It's probably the longest discussion that I've seen with a, a coach and a and an official or an umpire. It must have lasted 
three to four minutes uh, on one call there in the seventh inning involving Follis and a, a close play at first base when uh, they ruled him the base runner out when a lot of people thought he was safe and it could have could have gave ULM their first hit of the night. Yeah, so surprised he was not tossed there. Yes, very surprised. Yeah. So uh, the big story of this game, of course, being Follis and what he did with his no-hitter into the eighth inning. He ends up going a new career high in innings pitch with seven, faced 25 batters, and, of course, uh, had a 109 pitches. Afterwards, I had a chance to track down Lane Burroughs, and we discussed the decision to go out there and pull a guy when he's got a no-hitter into the eighth. He was at uh, 109, and I just told him I've never uh, – hadn't been a head coach that long, but I've never taken anybody out. I had a no-no. When I walked up to the step, I said, y'all get ready to – about to hear me get booed out of the stadium. But uh, <laughs> our fans are uh, – they know, they know the game, and he was at 109, and he was scattering the ball there in that last hitter. And, uh, it's like I went out to the mound, and he didn't fight me. And uh, he was toast, and uh, it was time for him to come out. He's got a long career ahead of him, and – and uh, he pitched great. Follis was outstanding, and uh, you know he was kind of—I think he was effectively wild. He wasn't exactly filling it up, but uh, effectively wild, and uh, gave us a chance to win. I mean, I got a noto going in the eighth inning, so uh, can't ask for much more than that. And you got to be really pleased with what the three home runs on the night. Yeah, for whatever reason, we got a power surge all of a sudden. We hit two last night, three today, and and uh, still disappointed we left too many runners out there. We had a chance to blow the game open. And uh, they got a good club. They got good arms in the bullpen, and um, you know they they're playing good. And you got to put people away. And that's why I told our guys, proud of the way we won the game and the way we fought. It's tough. You get this time of year in conference play and to play two midweeks. It can be tough and it can be a grind. You know all the all the built-in excuses were there. I told our guys we're leaving in the morning, go to Birmingham, but they grinded through it. And uh, one disappointment we did we left too many men on base, but. Uh, we've been doing a good job of getting those in. How about the momentum of these two wins now going into this weekend? On the yeah, I mean, it gives you confidence. I guess momentum's as good as whoever's starting on the mound for you or them uh, the next game. That's what I always say about momentum. But confidence-wise, uh, you know, our guys are just, ever for whatever reason, ever since we lost to Northwestern State here, went to the Frisco Classic. Uh, they just feel like they can play with anybody. That A&M game that Friday night, and you just see uh, they come to the park, they expect to win. And when you can get your program doing that, you, 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 can, you can soar. So, uh when we dominate average plays, fill up the strike zone, and execute offensively, same thing I say over and over, we, we can be hard to beat. Another win for Louisiana Tech. They continue to roll along, and, of course, others from across the country are starting to notice. I don't know if you saw the write-up uh, leading into yesterday's game. I think it was before the uh, Northwestern State Road game. Uh, D1 Baseball picking up, of course, on the Bulldogs' success. They had a nice write-up national uh, website that's well-respected on the success that Louisiana Tech continues to have. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, they're deserving of it. They have been on an incredible run, and now, you know, see what they can do with UAB this weekend. They do have one problem, and it is a good problem. Uh, that being uh, parking. Many? Parking oh, is, it remains an issue as more and more fans come out there. And then the fact, of course, of course, uh, of course, a softball. I said, of course, there four times in a row. Pretty impressive. Uh, Louisiana Tech at the same time having a game with Northwestern State. Almost for the second time this year, Jake. I think I almost had my uh, – Canoe vehicle towed. Really? Yeah. He went out after the game. You know, I circled around for a good uh, 10, 15 minutes, missed a home run during that, uh, looking for a parking spot. And I found one. It wasn't on the road. And there was other par people parked on the grass. And then when I returned after the game, uh, there was basically string connected to mo the Canoe vehicle and the no parking sign. So I think it was sort of a hint that uh, I was not supposed to be where I was. Mm. But thankfully, I was not towed. Yeah, I thought you were going to come back and see it hooked up already. <laughs> yes. But uh. The more I reflect on that, we're referencing at the beginning of the high school football season, the, the first day of practice for West Monroe. I was running a little late on a, uh, the morning that it was right after the radio show. I pull up uh, on the road, and I, I'm there uh, shooting a little bit of West Monroe practice, and uh, a couple people come hooting and uh, hollering and screaming at me, hey, 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 your car is about to get towed. And I walk out there, and it was basically – seconds away from being towed away but now i look back at it jake that was probably an omen for the season that uh northeast louisiana high school teams are going to have yeah maybe so or maybe you're just lazy to park in an actual parking spot well that that could be true <laughs> or there was no parking spots there because all the uh, fence hanger honors were there to see the rebels oh, in their, it's, it's their first never, practice it's never aaron's fault <laughs> yes let's deflect it all right, we mentioned uh, Louisiana Tech with the big win and then uh, LSU against Tulane last night. And Zach Watson is back and perhaps Ooh. better than ever. Yeah, uh, Zach Watson is on 
fire. He had uh, three hits last night. Now he's had 20 hits and 41 at bats since his return, and that's including 12 RBI. And that's uh, the the funny thing from this game was Lynn Rollins. You know, he's always known for saying quirky things. But uh, after one of Zach Watson's hits last night, he said, Watson is as hot as salsa on a sunburn. So that that's the best way to describe Watson's hot streak right now. But uh, the big news, you know, I think for LSU fans was getting to see the debut of Nick Storrs. We talked about it heavily yesterday. And then come to find out about an hour before the game, oh, he's only going to pitch an inning. No matter what, he's only going to pitch an inning. And so you got a small taste, a, a small sample size. He hit two two-lane batters, but, you know, recovered in that inning and didn't give up any hits or any any runs, I should say. And then um, A.J. Labus replaced him and actually gave up four runs. LSU actually trailed four to nothing, but rallied back to win 10 to four thanks to their hot hitting and thanks to guys like Zach Watson. Yeah, Paul Maneri after the game said they were kind of sleepwalking through the first few innings of the game, but then got it going and had several clutch hits. Zach Watson, according to Paul Maneri, was a really a leader for us again tonight. Yes. And, Aaron, the Pels winning again. Wow. Picked up another victory. I know you're pumped about it. Uh, but this is their fourth game in five days, okay? So you could tell it's starting to wear on them, right? And the Pacers took it to them early, but the, the Pels rallied. They, they hung in there, and they came down with some big-time defensive plays down the stretch. You know, Davis – course got his he had 28 points and 13 rebounds but I thought Drew Holiday was really good on defense in the closing minutes of this game he forced uh Oladipo into a couple of turnovers he actually stole the ball with two minutes left and then a couple of possessions later um forced a traveling call that I thought was really really big in that game so Drew Holiday dealing with flu-like symptoms two days ago uh wasn't completely 100% last night but played well enough on defense for the Pels to get this big-time victory. Other headlines on this Thursday morning. you got a couple of pro days taking place, one at Grambling this morning, then later on at Louisiana Tech at 1 o'clock. LSU's pro day, actually, they'll be one of the last ones in the country to hold theirs. Theirs will take place uh, April 4th. Big news in college basketball is the coaching carousel continues at several places. We mentioned two days ago, of course, Anthony Hardaway going to Memphis, and now UConn has found their guy. Going with Dan Hurley, uh, the Rhode Island coach. And, uh, you know, we all know the reputation of the Hurley brothers. And uh, I think he's earned it. I actually like this hire a lot. I thought Dan Hurley did a fantastic job at Rhode Island. And so I can't wait to see what he does with connected men. Yeah, the Huskies, of course, won a national championship in 2014. That was uh, Kevin Ali's second season at the helm. But since then, they have uh, only gone to the NCAA tournament once in the last four years. Yes. One more quick headline, and I hate talking about this guy because I'm not a fan of his, but this was pretty uh, amazing what he did last night. Dwight Howard scored over 30 points and corralled over 30 rebounds. Wow. So he had a 30-30 game. That was the first time since Kevin Love did it in 2010. So, so now he'll go ask for a new money or a new team? It's probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do not like that. So now it'll be one of his milestones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's impressive. I mean, you got to give it up to him. I mean, 30-30 is nothing to sneeze at. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. But they won't be making a 30 for 30 on that performance. Oh, boy. Is it time for break yet? 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. It's all part of the starting line. Brought to you by Louisiana Painter. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. I, I make fun of it, but I'm I'm at least glad you got the name correct. That's right. So I, I'm making progress. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give that to you. Uh, looking forward to today's show. It is Top Ten Thursday. We have the issues worked out over here. We are ready to rock and roll for the next hour and 45 minutes. You like to see me over here juggling things, don't you? Yeah, and quite honestly, I think mine was messed up, too, <laughs> because I thought it was your mic, but then we weren't, weren't getting any complaints. So. so for the second day in a row, the engineer got it figured out, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Top Ten Thursday. So what is uh, on today's list, Jake? Craziest i got to emphasize craziest March Madness moments. Not best moments, craziest moments. Uh, doing a little research on this, and as you go back through some of the 
unbelievable moments in March Madness. Uh, pretty cool. If, it, if this doesn't get you fired up for this weekend's games or tonight's matchups, the four that we're going to have, I don't know what will. We need your help, though. Yeah, uh, send us some suggestions. 888-993-7762. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, and, yeah, let's have fun today. Chris Blair will join us at the top of the hour. Uh, LSU's, the voice of the LSU Tigers for his weekly visit. At 8.30, we look forward to catching up with uh, Teddy Allen. Yesterday, it was 33 years ago that Louisiana Tech lost a heartbreaker in a Sweet 16 overtime thriller classic versus Oklahoma. He'll reflect on that game and also probably give us a little bit of a preview of the Masters here in a few weeks. Oh, I know you'll be down for that. We want to hear some of your nominees for the craziest moments in March Madness history. 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Well, let's wake up the uh, text line, 888-993-7762. In reference to Louisiana Tech's 6-1 win over ULM last night, Ben says, scary that all five of Tech's starting pitchers return in 2019 unless the draft comes calling. Uh, Quint weighs in, says, big news for Dish customers. CW is now available on Channel 40. Now we can watch Saints preseason games and Louisiana Tech home games. Good point. Yeah, very nice. Also gives us a suggestion for our craziest March Madness top 10 Thursday moments. Says Weber calling the timeout that they didn't have. Mm. That will no doubt be in there. Still cringe every time I see it. And then, of course, when they run Chris Weber, which I believe he has not publicly commented on that timeout since the post-game press conference. And then just seeing him sitting up there and trying to answer those questions. uh, I don't even know if painful is the right word to describe that. Yeah, and it was, I don't know if you watched the Fab Five, yeah. 30 for 30, when they talk about that and they talk about we want Chris Weber to be a part of that, but he wants to erase that yeah. from his, I mean, that's that's one of the most embarrassing moments um, of his life, and so he doesn't really want to associate with the Fab Five, but that was a good documentary, by the way. Hit us up with your uh, nominees for craziest March Madness moments in our Top 10 Thursday So yesterday, Jake, was the uh, 33rd anniversary of Louisiana Tech versus Oklahoma, and you want to talk about a few crazy moments. There were several of them in that game, including the game winner, uh, Wayman Tisdale, with a shot that literally hung on the rim for five to six seconds before dropping and, of course, breaking the hearts of Bulldog fans. Uh, We're going to hear from Teddy Allen coming up at 8.30, but this reminded me of, I believe it was 2002, when they had the 25th anniversary of this team and recognized them over at Louisiana Tech. A majority of them came back and, of course, reflected on what was just a remarkable run by this team and what might could have been if they could have got by a powerhouse like Oklahoma and made it to the Elite Eight. Uh, Here's the story that aired back in 2010 on this Louisiana Tech team, and there's going to be some comments in here from Carl Malone on just how painful of a loss this was for a team it was uh, incredible to watch and, of course, uh, had the, na- the national publicity and the national attention as they made a run through the NCAA tournament. Before Carl Malone was a household name and before Dick Vitale developed into a human boombox. They got one of the ingredients that you'd like a team to have, and that's the great gamer, the showstopper. Louisiana Tech's 85 squad featured some primetime players. I think people probably didn't realize that at that time how special this team was. Now we look back 25 years ago and, and we're saying now it's the greatest team that ever played at Louisiana Tech. Number 32, Carl Malone. By averaging 17 points a game, Malone was the headliner, but he shared the spotlight with five others who averaged in double figures. So he just had all these guys, but nobody cared who got the recognition. And that was what was neat. Running a 13-game winning streak, the 29-2 Bulldogs strutted into the regional semifinals. The Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech University and the Sooners of the University of Oklahoma. In a tournament classic, the Bulldogs and Sooners went into overtime with three-time All-American Wayman Tisdale looking to create some March Madness. There you go! Oh. That shot of Wayman Tisdale. If you look at the clock, that thing rolled around. It was in overtime. It rolled around for six or eight seconds. Hangs, bounces around, 
And the count hangs there again, and all of, meanwhile, the clock is running off. At the end, maybe if I could jump just a little bit higher, we still had a shot. There's the lob. Here's the try. They tried to tip it. It did not go. It's all over. They didn't get the play. Oklahoma lost. How long did it take you for you to get over that thing? Put me how long? <laughs> what are you talking about how long? <laughs> are you kidding me? You never get over those. <laughs> Twenty-five years have passed, but the memories remain fresh. However, time has mended some harsh feelings between a star player and a coach. I always wanted to see uh, Coach Russo. Uh, when he was here, we, we didn't always see eye to eye, so to speak, but it was really neat to see him and just basically said that, you know, if I was an idiot during those times, I apologize. This is your home away from home, and you're always welcome back to Louisiana Tech. We love you. This team may be a little heavier and grayer, but they believe their legacy will carry on. It'll take a, a very special team to, to dethrone this team as probably the best team that Louisiana Tech's ever seen. 20, uh, that was, uh, we heard that uh, eight years ago. Now it's been 33 years ago from yesterday, of course, the heartbreaker versus Oklahoma. A couple things stand out. First of all, Dickie V. Yeah, that uh, was. With hair and, of course, uh, talking about Carl Malone. And the fact you think, Carl Malone would have had huge numbers. The fact he only averaged 17 points and there was five players that averaged in double figures. Very talented squad. Star study. It just wasn't the mailman. Yeah. Uh, hearing Dickie V be subtle and just like sound like an actual, you know, not the not the over the top, oh, baby. That was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just when right. he was cutting his teeth in the business probably. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have the, I guess, the pull to be able yeah. to branch out a bit but uh had to establish himself first i guess mm. last time of course that a uh, uh, northeast louisiana squad made a deep run into the ncaa tournament you'll hear from teddy allen coming up at 8 30 as we continue to ask for your nominations for craziest march madness moments jake as you went back and kind of got fired up and went back and, and looked at some of the great things what were some of the, the things that stood out to you the most well there have been a lot of buzzer beaters, yeah. a ton of buzzer beaters. And so when you think of crazy, I think you go to buzzer beater first and you think about the obvious ones. Then I started revisiting and looking back on, on some of the, the ones that you kind of forgot about over the years. And it was deciphering what deserves to be on the list. What was the craziest? That was one thing. Another thing was, and I don't want to you know, give this away, but there was a pretty big game. Um, that was played and that's being pretty vague <laughs> i think you're fine <laughs> sports illustrated did two pieces on this game and they were long pieces um and i actually got to read about it and uh very very interesting stuff i can't wait to talk about that because it makes my list it was a very big game but uh yeah i had fun revisiting it and jeff on the text line says run it to work but here's two for you guys mm. Bryce Drew, buzzer beater over Ole Miss with Valpo. Mm -hmm. Mike Miller driving the court to beat Butler. Mm -hmm. So that's what stood out to me is that the fact that it was it was tough to kind of pick and choose which buzzer beater deserves to make the list and also what moment was, was crazy. Uh, what, what stood out to you? Uh, well, first of all, when you go back and you start looking at the different clips, just back before the NCAA had to have everything look the same, on every court had to be identical except for the location on the baseline. I liked it when he said, oh, we're going out to Boise now. And you could just – where different arenas and environments had different feels to it. Mm -hmm. I missed that part of it. Yeah, but I don't know, man. It's just a court to me. I know. But it's part of the ambiance of a game. Everything, everything's got to now be so cookie cutter and it's so, all got to look identical. So formulaic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I c yeah, I see your point. Um, but – Overall, but that. you were talking about all you got to do is if you go to YouTube and just Google great moments in March <laughs> Madness endless. history, and then you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Or, oh uh -huh. yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh, that was a huge game. Oh yeah, what about that player? So a number of uh, things to break down and look at as we'll kind of whittle this list down. We certainly need your help at eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Coming up after the break, honorable mentions on the top ten Thursday. All right, Jake, let's get fired up as the NCAA tournament resumes tonight. Uh, four matchups. 
I wouldn't say they're the most attractive matchups of all time tonight. But heck, we're down to the Sweet 16, right? Yeah. Um, tomorrow's games are much more attractive. Uh-huh. But there are a few. I mean, Michigan, Texas A&M's pretty nice. And, you know, Kansas State and um, Kentucky should be fun. For your blue, uh, viewing pleasure, you got Loyola, Illinois versus Nevada. That'll be the first one that tips tonight at 6.07 our time, followed up with Texas A&M versus Michigan. That'll be on TBS, correct? Correct. And then uh, Kansas State versus... No, 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 no. The first one, Loyola, Chicago, Bill. Nice. I was curious. CBS, uh, CBS would have to have the big one. Yeah. So CBS is basically going to have a 30-minute uh, uh, show. And this is actually 5.37, I think. This is, it should be 5.37 our time. I'll double-check uh, this. We don't have a... The reason I tell you, we don't have a newscast tonight at 6 o'clock. So we're getting caught up in details here. But no, anyway. it's 6 o'clock. Okay. Loyola Chicago and Nevada kick off or tip off at six o'clock. They're on CBS. Okay. Okay. So back to our original point. They're yeah. at six o'clock on CBS, and then Texas A and M and Michigan at six thirty-seven will be on TBS. And then uh, later on at uh, around eight thirty-seven or so, then you got Kansas State and Kentucky on CBS. And then later on, Florida State versus Gonzaga on CBS at nine oh seven. Yes. All right. I think we're. Honorable mentions on this top ten Thursday for the craziest moments in March Madness history. All right, uh, th- this is where it gets difficult. And then, of course, do you, do you want a buzzer beater or do you want just a magnificent comeback, Jake? Or a combination of both? Both. Um, yeah, that's that's what's difficult is because, I, listen, this is craziest moments. So buzzer beaters, comebacks, upsets, all of those things qualify. So what you got for us on our? All right, this should have been in the top, my top ten. It should have been in yours too. When you have the greatest player ever, Michael Jordan, of course, making a shot in the closing seconds to win a national championship is huge. But then a lot of people forget the other half of it. There were still a few seconds left back in 1982 versus Georgetown. They had a fantastic uh, guard. I believe his name was uh, Freddie Brown. He comes down the court, and the Hoyas still have an opportunity in this game. But he literally throws the pass behind him directly at James Worthy because he thought it was his teammate. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but that's not a top ten crazy. That's pretty crazy. When you got the greatest player of all time making a game when he's shot and then the opponent throwing the pass to a a guy that basically they don't even get off an attempt to win the game or tie. I got ten crazier moments, brother. All right. Uh, And I also go back to – I believe it was 1987, a fabulous Indiana squad. This was another buzzer beater, uh, Keith Smart. And, of course, the shot that he made in that championship game versus Syracuse. And when you're starting to talk about today's NCAA tournament versus yesterday's, you always go back to the fact that you had established stars back then. And you look at this game. I mean, when you have Steve Alford in it, Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas, uh, the big guy, Ronnie Sykley, you want to talk about some star power. That game had it. Yeah, think about the games between Magic and Bird in college, you know. I mean, that that's the difference between the one and done and, and the games back then. I know those aren't crazy, though. That's just great national championship yeah, sure. games that go down to the wire. How about a few moments, including it was just a couple of years ago when uh, Northwestern State was squaring off against Iowa. This was a uh, 14 versus a 3 seed. Uh-huh. Goes down to the closing seconds in a, a mad scramble. The Demons somehow get the ball in their hands, and this is what happens, courtesy of CBS. They go to the rim. The three, no! Loose ball in the corner. Three seconds to go. Yes! Oh, my goodness! At the other end, Haluska! Northwestern State over Iowa. Was that Rafferty? Oh, yeah. yeah. Onions. I was waiting for onions. <laughs> we didn't get any onions. That's that was stuff. good. I mean, Northwestern State, that was a huge win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just wasn't crazy enough for you. Not crazy it. enough. Uh, I mean, we've seen, like I said, we've seen a lot of buzzer beaters that have included, um, you know, high seeds knocking off lower seeds. But here's the deal, man. If you, if you look at some of these that are in the top ten, there there's something extra to it. Whether it be the play itself, like it's a higher level of difficulty, or it's just a, something else that goes along with it that makes it bigger. 
How about the fact, uh, you know, you come into the closing seconds, you got to go the length of the court, and I believe uh, four seconds to win a ball game. All the opponent has to do is stop the ball. Yeah. I believe this was uh, 1995, UCLA versus Missouri, and some little guard named Tyus Edney. Into the Sweet 16, knocked out last year in the first round by Tulsa. They don't want to lose this one. Edney going the distance. Those are one of those iconic moments. That, yeah. And I believe that was somewhere up near Boise also. That was tough to leave off. Yeah. That one deserves it. Um, had a lot of back and forth inside my own head on that one. Uh, and, we, and we've actually gotten a, t a text here uh, from Dwayne saying, uh, you know, that one deserves to be on there as well. But, uh, yeah, what, what, a, what a play going the length of the floor. Yeah, an incredible play. All right, let's get to our, our top ten. Did, is there any other nominations that you wanted me to include there? No, go ahead, because I'm not sure what's on your list. I got I two tied for uh, number 10, and uh, one of them you don't even have on your top 10. It just happened a few years ago when uh, Northern Iowa was squaring off against Texas, and I believe this was 11 versus 6. This is when the Panthers made a deep run into the NCAA tournament. It's not often that you have a half-court shot to win a ball game. No, it's not. But you and I did. 2.7 left. Last chance for the Panthers. And he said he wouldn't take a timeout in this situation. Jesperson, half court heave for the ball. Jesperson does it. Northern Iowa wins it at the buzzer. 75 72. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Really good, and that's the TV version too. And the the way they had it synced up there with the audio, and you can actually hear the ball, the bank shot there. How sweet was that? It was so sweet. And uh, I just found out that this wasn't on your list, so I can mention it for yeah. an honorable mention. Mario Chalmers against Memphis to send it to OT. I mean, that was that was uh, another big shot. Mm. Wasn't a game winner though. Mm. 888-993-7762. You can weigh in on the Stuart Shelby State from hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Looking for the craziest, most memorable moments from March Madness history. All right, tied for 10th, and I don't think I'm giving this the recognition or the respect that it deserves. Obviously, later on, we're going to have Christian Leitner and what took place in that game and the shot. But yes. how about uh, UConn? Versus, I believe it was Clemson, because he was squaring off against one of the Grant brothers, uh, Tate George. And they have the ball with just, I believe it was a little bit over a second to go. And somehow, Tate George gets a shot off to win the ball game. Now we're ready to go. Here goes the long pass with one second to go. The shot. Yes! The shot's going to count. The shot by Tate George wins it. Here's my problem with that one. Uh -huh. I don't think that should have counted. Yeah. <laughs> That's to throw it to lick to the court on the baseline, and then he and turns he had and shoots. time to turn and shoot. The clock didn't start running when he called it. <laughs> that was my problem. I, I watched that again. I was like, man, I, I'm just not going to include it just because I don't think it should have counted. But it was back when the clocks, they I, didn't have the, the point on it. So maybe it was like at 1.9 seconds. Maybe. But that was still, man, that like just seeing that, I was just like, oh, there's no way he got that <laughs> off. There's no way. So I left that one off. So um, you're saying today, if that happened oh, tonight. No. That, that would have never, no, it wouldn't have counted. Technology would have. Yes. Go back and watch it. Because uh, I, I, I thought about that too, and I watched it again, and I was like, yeah, I can't include that just because. What you got at number 10? Number 10, I got Middle Tennessee stunned in Michigan yeah. State. You know, if you, if you, this was 2015, I believe. Uh, it was very recent. Um, but if you look at it, it, not only was it number 15 beating the number two seed, but in the Vegas odds, Michigan State was the second favorite to win it all. Okay? So this was, the, according to many people, the second best team in the bracket, regardless of their seeding. And so for them to go in there and beat them 90-81 to 81 and take down Goliath, 
that was really I thought up until this year that was one of the biggest upsets regarding like you know seeding. And I know we've seen 15s over twos before, but that was that was big, man. Hmm. Huge milestone win for Middle Tennessee and Kirby yeah. Davis. Now he has moved on to Old Miss. At number nine, what you got? Bryce Drew. Yeah. You might have it higher. Um, this was the Valpo buzzer beater against Ole Miss. Speaking of Ole Miss, 1998, this was a, a number 13 upsetting a number four. Um, Bill Jenkins outjumped an Ole Miss defender for the ball. And what made this so cool is he immediately tapped it. I mean, it was a seamless pass. Uh, it, it was in one motion, it seemed, to pass it over to Drew, who let that 23-footer fly and uh, man, he sunk it, and this is this is what it sounded like. Danny Sykes, Carter pressuring. It's to Jenkins, the Drew for the win. Good, oh! he did it. Bryce Drew did it. Falpo has won the game. A miracle. Mm. To catch it at half court, to have to leap over defenders and pass it, that's what made it over the top for me. That's what made it uh, top ten worthy, in my opinion. Mm. And it was Valpo. And it was Valpo beating Ole Miss. And as we hear some of these calls, some of these could go down to some of the greatest calls, too. Yeah. Some of them are set up pretty nicely. Pretty nice, yeah. All right, we'll continue to roll along. You continue to weigh in on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this on this Thursday morning. As we continue to look forward to the NCAA tournament tonight and some Sweet 16 matchups, we continue to reflect on some crazy and fantastic moments in March Madness history. It is Top 10 Thursday. We're going through some of our favorites throughout the years. Uh, our Top 10 list, or mine, included uh, Northern Iowa half-court heed to beat Texas, UConn Tate George over Clemson. At number nine, I had Bryce Drew's shot. Uh, Jake's number 10 and number nine were... My number 10 was Middle Tennessee stunning Michigan State, and my number 9 was just like yours, Bryce Drew, uh, the Valpo shot, the buzzer beater. At number 8, we both agree that we like uh, what took place in a championship game. We always love the David versus Goliath storyline, and we certainly had it. Uh, that's incorrect. My, I've actually got these flipped for me, but uh, you've got Villanova and Georgetown at number 8. Well, that's my number 7. So Villanova – Upsetting Georgetown in 1985 was not only one of the greatest upsets in sports history, but it also helped bring change to the game. Uh, this was before there was a shot clock. In fact, the NCAA introduced a 45-second shot clock the following season and uh, actually reduced it to 35 seconds in 1993 and 94. But before there was a shot clock, this was a good Georgetown team. Great. This was Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. This was the Georgetown team that, you know, evoked fear in all, every team. They they intimidated everyone. They were just a powerhouse, and there was no, people felt there was no way Villanova could beat them because Villanova hadn't had any success against them, and so and they had already played him how many times? Twice. So uh, Georgetown already beat him twice, and so they get into the game, and what Villanova does is they just eat possessions. And if you average all of the possession, like if you average the time of each possession, it, it goes way past uh, the 35-second shot clock that we have today. So they only had 58 possessions and made 22 of 29 field goals. This is the game that I was talking about. That the sports, perfect game. The, they called it the perfect game. This is what Sports Illustrated did numerous articles about. But 22 of 29 field goals. And like you said, it was described by many as the perfect game because they they held it, they ate the clock, and they made the most of each possession. Because of that, they pulled off this great tight knit victory. And uh, it was it you know do you take away from it the fact that they you know ate clock and slowed it down? I mean, I don't personally, I don't love that. But at the time, you know, you got to take advantage of the rules and listen. If they're not going to have a shot clock, then uh, eat, eat as much of the time off the clock as you want. And because of the style of this game, and literally it was a bunch of free throws down the stretch, there wasn't like that great call. No, there wasn't. Uh, well, 
whenever they got it inbounded and you know the time expired, yeah. it was still it was still cool to see like, oh my God, this yeah. happened! Like they actually they pulled, pulled off it the off. miracle. They I pulled think. it off, yeah. So because of that, I think it's no doubt it's my number seven on my list. It's number eight on yours. It absolutely deserves to be on this list. Uh, what you got at number seven? So well, my number eight would have been this was this was before the yeah. Villanova. I had Texas A&M mm. using that miraculous 14 to two rally in the last 33 seconds of the game. This was only a couple of years ago against Northern Iowa, and most at that point, when they were down by 14 with 33 seconds to go, uh, you know, the ESPN does all these projections and win probabilities. Had their win probability Northern Iowa at that point at 99.9 percent. Yeah, it was the largest last-minute deficit that was overcome in the history of college basketball. So for that, come on, it's no brainer. Mm-hmm. I remember watching this going, you know, they t- they ended up tied it, tying it up because the guy just threw it away. I mean, they, they they made play after play, and then on the inbound, the guy just throws it away, and A&M grabs it, goes for an uncontested layup, tie the game at 69, and they ended up pulling that game off in uh, two overtimes, but – Wow, I, it was one of those surreal things. Like, there's, there's no way. You know, we had something recently. Uh, what was that? A, a five-point game or a four-point game in how many seconds? I can't remember. It was the Louisville game mm-hmm. uh, that they blew. Mm-hmm. Um, so Louisville yeah, versus Virginia. This that's year. what it was. Yeah. So they they blew that game, um, and we couldn't believe that they scored that many points in that amount of time. And I completely forgot about the Texas A&M game. That was only a couple of years ago where we saw this 14 to two run in 30. Three seconds. So we go the highs and the lows of uh, Northern Iowa in that basketball program. We played, as an honorable mention, the half-court shot, of course, that wins the March Madness game. And then on the flip side, you blow a lead like that in historic portions. Historic portions. You're right. That was incredible. Uh, I was like a good upset. How about back in, I think it was 95-96, it was Princeton versus uh, UCLA. Pete Carell and, of course, the backdoor cuts and the things that Princeton does. Not many gave them much of a chance against a a basketball heavyweight at the time in UCLA. And Princeton goes out and shocks the world. Here's what it sounded like. You know they're going to try to run a backdoor play if they can get it. Under 10. Backdoor. better who was having the call there who had the call that was gus yeah number two greatest announcer of all time <laughs> according to you brother uh yeah that was that was a good call though a, a great game a great conclusion to that game and was that your number six uh number seven that was your number seven uh number six i think we agree uh george mason yes correct? yes george mason's run to the final four was incredible. They were number 11 seed, and just listen to the names that they beat to get there. They beat Michigan State. They beat North Carolina. They beat Connecticut, and they beat Wichita State. For them to clinch the the win against Connecticut to go to the Final Four, um, that that was another good call. The fact that you know, here we are again. The Cinderella story lives on. They're going to the Final Four, number 11 seed, and. Um, that was that. That's most deserving, I think. Of when you think about runs by, you know, seeds like number eleven and, and higher, I think that's that that has to be the top one. Because let's face it, George Mason. Who had ever heard of them? I had never heard of George Mason, and there were you know people in state that had never heard of George Mason, right? I mean, this run put them on the map, and we'll always remember the name George Mason just because of this run. Mm. Uh, Larry weighs in at 888-993-7762. He says there can only be one. The best of all time, uh, Coach J- Jim Valvano beating five slam a gem of Lorenzo Charles Dunk in 1983. I got a feeling that may crack the list here. Shane C. says, worst choke job. No way you lose by that much. The reference to Northern Iowa versus Texas A&M uh, losing a game up by 14 with 33 seconds to go. Yeah, no doubt. 
Uh, definitely ranks up there as far as worst choke cho- jobs in sports history. All right, here we go. Uh, we can get into our top five, and this is the, where we're going to have a little bit of a debate. If you can have a debate, because they're all great, crazy moments from March Madness. Yes, they're all great and crazy, but my number five, we just saw it. UMBC upsetting Virginia the first time, first and only time we ever saw a number 16 seed take down a number one seed. Not only did they take them down, but they dominated the game. And so they, they, they won the game by 20 points. So I remember us having the conversation last week. You were like, is, is this going to be the year that the yeah. 16 beats a one? And no, Jake, it's not going never to happened. be. It, it it's never, never happened. happened. It's not going to happen this year. And it certainly won't happen to the top overall seed in the tournament. Yeah. Wrong. And then they not only go out and they lose this game, but they get smashed. They get hammered. And that was, you know, it was mind-numbing. It was just like, <laughs> how did this happen? Because, you know, we, we, the reason why I asked that is because a lot of people, you know, every year somebody's going to say, this is the year, this is the year. And a lot of people were thinking this could be the year because of all the parity in college basketball and the fact that Xavier, most people felt, was a pretty weak number one seed. And Penn, there were all kind of defensive stats out there about Penn. And so people were like, this is the year. Penn's going to knock off Xavier. So that's why I asked you that question. A lot of people weren't looking at this matchup. They're looking at the Penn-Xavier matchup. Come to find out, UMBC had what it took to knock off the number one overall seed. And now it just rattles off your tongue like it's nothing. Like you know Maryland and Baltimore College. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) UMBC, UMBC. And listen, we love these stories because, you know, you see – you see, like, they start filing for trademarks yeah. and stuff, and you know they're going to be making money off of it. But not only that, but what I've enjoyed the most was the Twitter interactions, yeah. seeing their Twitter handle, um, just have fun with it. And, you know, they were they were fun to follow throughout, you know, the first two rounds. Yeah, we talked about it on Monday. Uh, whoever gave that guy the, the liberty to do that on Twitter and fire back throughout the game. Kudos, uh, Well played. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And he was calling out people, <laughs> like media people. Yeah. and I mean, you name it. He was going after folks, and it was great. You have that at number five. I have it at number four. Uh, at number five, I had Chris Weber and, of course, the timeout. But you can certainly make the argument that it should be a lot higher considering – at the time, you have the most, the game's most dominant player in college basketball in that moment. Of course, the Fab Five and what they were all about during that time and the national publicity and how they basically you know, had changed in the culture of basketball during that time. Uh, when you talk about crazy moments, that probably could go down as number one or two. It, it really could. I have that as number three on my list it, just because it's, it's one of those things where you, you just mentioned it, the Fab Five. We were all wondering, you know, when is this team going to get a title? They were so good. Um, and this seemed to be like their best chance in an incredible game against North Carolina. Not only does he call the timeout, but he gets away with a walk. You know, he gets away with a walk, dribbles it down the court. He's all out of sync, calls the timeout, gets the technical ball game. I mean, it's it one of the worst ways to win, really, when you think about it. And it's it's – lived on with him and he he went on to have an incredible NBA career and he's doing big things you know for TNT as an announcer actually calling March Madness games Mm -hmm. now but uh he will always be associated with that all right the the final three and uh, we're gonna have a little bit of a debate about this because I think there's a clear-cut number one you disagree who do you have at number three time out time out I didn't get my number four my number four is Lorenzo Charles Mm. (laughs) this is what I just mentioned about uh, a major debate, and I thought there was a clear-cut number one, just like I believe Gary told us minutes ago. So, yes, this is iconic, no doubt, no doubt. The, the shot of Jim Valvano, I mean, Jimmy V, that's a great shot, of course, him running it. But to, to go through the play real quick, uh, Derek Wittenberg, was it a shot, was it a pass, doesn't matter. Lorenzo Charles goes up to grab it and dunks it home. For the win. Jake, there can't be a better moment, crazier moment in March Madness than that for a national championship. For a national championship. There are three, actually. Uh, Jason says, was Jake in kindergarten for the Fab Five? (laughs) (laughs) Making reference, Russell, to uh, Chris Weber. He also took money. So you've got this as your fourth best moment in March Madness. Fourth best. Oh, come on. Yeah. I got Chris Weber ahead, and it's not best. If you say best, it's different. It's craziest. Crazy. It's uh, very literally crazy. a half-court pass 
half court. It was a shot. It was a shot for an alley oop dunk to win a national title, an, an underdog at that, and Jimmy Valvano. That's crazy. Here's what it sounded like: 1983. Down to seven seconds. You can see the time. Wittenberg. Oh, it's a long way. They won it, by the way. A great call. Uh, yeah, that's that's number four. I got Chris Webber ahead of it just because uh, the, the – yeah. I don't know. I just think it's crazy. Just because the Fab Five were always looked at as the team to beat. Yeah. You know, them and UNLV. And the fact that they didn't win a title is crazy. And yeah. it came down to a, a, techni- a timeout to warrant a technical. So, my number two, are we going ahead and, and, and knocking this out? Yeah. No, I think we probably should tease it because we got to okay. get uh, Chris Blair from uh, the Voice of the LSU Tigers coming on next. We'll ask him what he thought of the craziest moment in March Madness history is. we got a couple more calls coming up, and, of course, uh, we'll unveil our top three. And, of course, where Jake was wrong. No, sir. Yeah. Was not wrong. Russell says, V running around looking for someone to hug is great. Like I said, that is an, an iconic video. Mm. Like That is something that I'll never get tired of watching. 888-993-7762. You can weigh in on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Coming up next, we'll talk a little uh, baseball, basketball, and, of course, March Madness with Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers after the break. I'm Steve Weissman with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Free agent Ndamukong Sue canceled his trip to the Bay Area on Wednesday. Sue was scheduled to meet with the Raiders after he visited with the Rams on Tuesday. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport and our own Mike Silver are reporting the defensive tackle had a great visit in Los Angeles and is now choosing between the Saints, Titans, and Rams. Elsewhere, new Jets quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is unsure when he'll be ready to take the field. Bridgewater has only taken nine snaps since injuring his knee in 2016. When he was asked if he would be ready to participate in offseason drills, he said he wasn't comfortable talking about it. Meantime, Sam Darnold threw in front of scouts on Wednesday at USC's Pro Day. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.